Hey there, friends. Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS interview series. Today, I'm taking you inside the hospitality industry, specifically inside the convention business. And the reason I want to connect with an insider in the convention business is because as we record this interview, it's April 21st, 2020, and we're in the middle of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. And that means that the convention business has come to a halt. So I wanted to get an insider to tell us what he sees happening in that business and when he thinks it'll be safe for us to travel again. And the person that I'm bringing to you today is Doug Barman. He's a senior vice president with a company called Conference Direct. Conference Direct serves the convention industry. They work with huge companies and associations, and they bring conventions and all sorts of conferences to hotels, resorts, and destinations worldwide. Doug and his team of 35 people handle over $300 million of convention business each year. And Doug has been in the hospitality industry for over 25 years. I met Doug when he worked for Marriott, but right now he's a resource for everyone. Hotels, resorts, as well as companies who are looking to figure out how soon they can get back together. Join me for this interview where I grill Doug on what he's seeing inside the hotel, hospitality, and convention industries, and he shares his opinion with us on when he thinks it'll be safe to travel again. This is an interview you don't want to miss. You can find all of Doug's contact information in the show notes. He's somebody you're going to want to have in your contacts because he's definitely a hotel, hospitality industry insider. All right, sit back and relax. Join me for this interview with Doug Barman, Senior Vice President of Conference Direct. Welcome to the Do This, Sell More show. Today we have a friend of mine, Mr. Doug Barman, who's an expert on the hospitality industry. He's a business leader and also someone who is in touch with people who are booking meetings, conferences, and large conventions in cities really all over the world. He, he is focused here in the United States, and it's particularly valuable to have him on today because he can tell us what's going on with the this is a barometer really his industry is a barometer for what's going on with business and business travel so doug thanks for joining us welcome to the show thank you for having me dave it's a pleasure to be here all right so first and foremost we i did an introduction of you uh, at the beginning i went through your bio and everything but tell us um really what what does conference direct do and tell everybody what your job is with Conference Direct. Sure, sure. Conference Direct is a full service meeting management company. So we are literally uh, someone that corporations, associations will hire uh, to help assist and run their meetings successfully. Um, a lot of staffs, they need that expertise. And most of us are coming from a, a hotel or an actual meeting planning background. And so we can add a lot of expertise to their team again, to ensure a successful program. Um, my background uh, is mostly in the hotel side of things. Um, I have a team of 35 and I've got a pretty good mixture of hotel background and meeting planning background. And uh, really we're, we're all uh, small business owners that are affiliated with a great brand in, in Conference Direct. And uh, my team works with about 1200 customers and uh, helping them with their meetings and events. Okay, so how many people do you have on your team right now? Uh, I, I still have a total of 35 folks. I mean, uh, there's no question it's, uh, you know, we are 100% commission driven. So it is a challenging time for all of us. Uh, meetings pretty much came to a abrupt halt in March. Um, I think every industry can say uh, they were impacted, no question, but ours literally, you know, is. Uh, small gatherings of people, large gatherings of people. So immediately we're, you know, against the whole social distancing and being around. So ours just came to an abrupt halt. Um, but right now my team is focused on helping our customers. Uh, a lot of them were, we're trying to rebook meetings at a later time. Um, there are some cancellations, obviously. And we're actually having a few here and there, people that are starting to think out in the future of what their meetings will look like in 2021 and beyond. And, and so we're working on some new opportunities. 
So your your customer, you really have two different customer groups, right? At least you have you have the person or the people who are planning the meeting or the convention or the event, and then the hotel has to be happy with you because they're going to want to work with you again, right? So you have really two different groups. Your your both sides are really they could be considered your customer. Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know we need all those parties to be happy and to get a, a good result. I mean, I'm not, you know, I know there's a lot of that win-win, all that. It's really just coming to the table and and working through, you know, what's going to help the hotel with their needs and what's going to meet the needs of our customers. And you know, it takes a lot. We have to understand very clearly what our customers want. Obviously, that's changed in the last uh, month or so. And then we have to be able to articulate that to our hotel partners. And that's where, you know, coming from hotel backgrounds and meeting planning backgrounds, we have that expertise. Most of us, you know, I, I worked on the hotel side. I ran the revenue management team. So I, I taught contract negotiations for one of the major uh, hotel chains. So, you know, I can bring that expertise to my team and to our customers. And that's the value we bring right now. Okay, so uh, tell tell um, our friends listening and watching what your what your business model is. How does Conference Direct make money? How does Doug Barman make money? And how does the team who works for you uh, make money? Who, who who pays you? And how does that whole business model work? Yeah, I mean it's it's basically following the the, the proven uh, system that's been in place for a long time within the hotel industry. Uh, it was more prevalent uh, on the individual travel originally and, and airlines and all that. But a commission is paid by the hotels um, who receive the business. And so we get paid a portion of, of that for bringing the business to the hotel. And it, I think it's a great model because, you know, the, only, the hotel only pays for what they get, right? They can use all their systems and choose whether this is the right piece of business for them or not. And for our customers, you know, there's a portion of our services that, that is paid by the hotel through the commission. There are other fee-based services that we have. If they want us to come on site and run their meeting, um, if they want to use our housing services, our registration services, our mobile apps, um, we have, uh, again, we are a full service meeting planning company for them. Um, so it's kind of a mixed bag. And then our folks are paid a portion of you know, the commission that's brought in from the hotels or the fees that are brought in from our customers. That's how our model works. Okay, great. And how do you, uh, you know, we talk a lot about sales and sales teams here. How do you organize your folks? Can they go after anybody anywhere in the country? Are they organized by industry, territory, geography? How do you, how do you organize your team? Yeah, that's the most interesting model for my uh, leadership and, and you and I, Dave go way back and, and uh, within a brand of, of Marriott at one point in time, but usually your sales organizations and the ones I've had are organized around geographic or industry vertical markets or whatever. Um, this model is really built on relationships. And so you're able to come in and where you had relationships. So if I'm sitting in the Washington DC area, but I, I had always worked for the New York market and that's where all my relationships are. I can work with those uh, New York based accounts. So it's a little more challenging as, as a leader because helping uh, you know, get the individual's focus to grow their business, it's not as simple as, hey, you know, this is what you gotta do in your geographic region. Um, and again, a lot of folks have you know, either a background or an expertise in some industry or segment, or they're passionate about it. And that's really where we go. I, I have some folks that, uh, primarily are in the sports arena because they, they just love sports. Um, I have one uh, woman on my team that focuses on woman-led uh, organizations. She really is uh, very passionate about that. So, I mean, it, it, you can really kind of go where your passion is, which I think is great. And so it's it's a little more difficult model when you don't have those, those automatic fences built up, but it also makes for great opportunity. Terrific, okay. And your, what percentage of your job as a, as a gentleman who's running a team, what percentage of your job is, is recruiting? Because you, you're only going to be as successful as the, the people that you have out there. So you need good people. You need people who are motivated. Uh, and it's, it's a commission-based position. So you need people who can work in that environment. It must take a lot of time to recruit the right people. What percentage of your time is generally spent doing that? 
Well, it's, it's interesting. My role is really uh, kind of falls in three buckets. Uh, I, I have my accounts that I assist. So um, I work with about five or six accounts and partner with a few folks to, to make sure we're uh, doing everything for those customers. Then I lead, coach, and mentor this team of 35 folks. And so I am um, obviously their coach and mentor through everything that we're trying to do. And then that third bucket is recruiting, as, as you just mentioned. And recruiting is a long process here. For me, uh, this is something that someone has always wanted to do. They've had that burning desire to be in business for themselves, to be entrepreneurial. And it's also a conversation that takes quite a long time. Um, I, I kind of put together some different roadmaps and I have a lot of thing, uh, tools and resources out on my blog, Hospitality Lifestyles. But we're really trying to take people through, here's the steps and the thought process you have to go through to do something like this. I'm not a big fan of someone who calls me on Friday and says, Doug, I want to start with you on Monday. You know, to me, they haven't thought through, do you understand you're going in business for yourself? You're 100% commission. You know, you, you have to think like a small business owner. And, you know, have you sat down with your spouse or partner and made sure that they're, you know, ready to do this with you? Because this isn't just you alone. This is giving up a lot, but it's also a great opportunity. I mean, I started mine uh, business in, in 2007, which was a wonderful time to go off on your own and start your own business. So, you know, I have the good fortune of surviving that last crisis. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of opportunity comes out of these moments. And so I'm talking to a lot of, of people right now that are interested in them um, and uh, interested in, in potentially joining us. And, and Dave, the process I take them through is, is first, you know, are you ready to be an entrepreneur or business owner? If you are, I strongly suggest you affiliate with a great brand that's going to have the tools and resources and everything for you. And, and then affiliate with somebody that's going to be dedicated to you. And uh, that would be me. I lead my team. I'm financially tied to them. So their success is my success. And you want someone like that. You want someone that's going to get up every day and be motivated to make you successful. And, uh, you know, in, in our old leadership jobs day, we could check a box. We did that that day. You know, this one, I'm tied to them. I need them to be successful and I, I want them to be successful. My biggest enjoyment in life is seeing people change their lives when they become a small business owner, entrepreneur, and they do it successfully. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I hear you. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, your, you mentioned 2007, you got into your business in 2007, much like me. I, I, I started this in 2008. Um, when you decided to make that move, you went from a position where you had a salary into a position where you're, you knew your income was going to be uncapped, but every day you got to wake up and you know that if no business comes in the door this week, this month, you're going to feel it personally. So what made you comfortable making that move? You know, I, you know, for me, I, I, as I said earlier, I, I'm looking for people that always have had that. I've always had a burning desire. I mean, even when I was working for a major corporation, you know, I was doing entrepreneurial things within that organization. Now, albeit I had a huge safety net because I was part of a big company, but, you know, I went off to a brand that was new uh, to, to Marriott International at the time. Um, we started a commission-only sales force within Marriott that had never been done. So. I was doing some entrepreneurial things. So I believed that my expertise, my desire, um, you know, it's all about your attitude. You got to wake up positive every day. I mean, if you're doing this so that you can golf half the day every day, this isn't going to work out for you. And I, I always remind people that they're like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, if you're working 30% of the day, then you're going to get 30% of the income you should. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm not great at math, but that one I can figure out. Um, but I, I just, I just knew I could do it. I knew it was going to take hard work, but I knew I had that work ethic and the desire and, and the attitude to push forward through challenges. Didn't know I was going to be in one, you know, from day one in a financial crisis, but, um, you know, I knew it. And Dave, when you were, you and I were together going through nine 11, I was leading a sales organization at that time. You, you know, that was a tremendous learning for me. How do you rise back up and, and come through that? And, and we can, and we did. And, you know, this one we're in right now, we will as well. You know, the thing that I'm, uh, that I, that I fall back on and that I, and I'm telling people each crisis is different, but the way people react to crisis, the, the way people behave 
is similar. So 9-11, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, and right now, what you're seeing, in, in my opinion, is at the beginning there's shock and people don't know what to do. Then for, you know, three weeks, six weeks, whatever it's going to be, people are going to figure out what their clients, their customers are looking for and then begins the process of them slowly figuring out how to deliver what the clients want. And what I'm counseling my clients to do right now is have those conversations with your customers, with your clients, have as many of those conversations as you can, as quickly as you can, get there first, provide what your clients want first, and your clients are gonna stick with you because people are gravitating toward things that they are comfortable with right now. They're comfortable with their relationship with you, and if the client says to you, I need this, and that's going to provide me with some certainty, even if it's outside the scope of what you normally deliver. If you can do that, you're gonna that person's gonna be with you and, until you screw up royally, or or the relationship uh, ends through natural means, retirement, or whatever. Because this is a time when you know relationships like are like iron; they're forged under intense heat, right? So in this environment, if you go out of your way to make your customer, your client feel good that's going to have a huge impact on the relationship in the long term. Um, tell, tell, the, tell the folks, I mean, I've had the, I've had the privilege of, of speaking to you throughout the last four or five weeks. Tell the folks listening, watching, what you're doing to take those steps right now. Well, you know, a few things, and you, you said it, a, a relationship, this industry's always been about relationships. Uh, now more than ever, uh, they're needed. Uh, it's a very interesting time, you know, as we've started through this, uh, and you, you described it well, Dave, I mean, it's kind of like you're going through all these stages uh, that you have to work your way through. And there's a few other twists that we've never had before, and that is a tremendous amount of hotel partners being furloughed and laid off. You've got uh, a lot of our customers or many of their team uh, being laid off, furloughed. Um, so it's you know, you're trying to get from them, what are the next step, what are their needs? And, and they're trying to figure it out right now because there's just so much chaos going on around them. I think we're seeing that calm down. Um, I think they're very happy. I mean, one of the biggest things we've done with our, with our clients is, first of all, um, we're communicating with them very regularly. Um, you know, I'm learning a lot of new things. I really had never done uh, Zoom for my team and all that, you know, I've moved to doing that. Um, I'm making videos for my team, making videos for our clients. We're just trying to show that we're here. I will tell you, there, there, there's one hotel chain that sent out uh, an email to their customer saying, hey, most of our sales force is gone now. If you need anything, you know, just contact us at sales.com. You know, we're kind of using that saying, hey, I understand they need to do that. And, and that's their business decision. But we're here. You know, here's my phone number. Here's my email address. Here's me live on Zoom talking to you. I'm here every day. I'm ready to work for you. I think they want to know that there's someone out there that can help them, even though they may not know what help they need right now, but they know we're there. And some are ready. I mean, obviously, we had to cancel uh, all the events in March, April, uh, May. Um, you know, we're now into June, July. Certainly, with this reopening of America's strategy, we're unclear when will people be able to meet again. Um, but it's all about communicate, 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 and, you know, making them aware that when they're ready, we have a plan and we'll be, we're ready for them. What is, uh, so what's the biggest concern? Let's talk about the, the, um, the venue side first. So the hotel side for you guys, what's the biggest concern that these venues have? as it relates to opening back up, set aside timing. We don't know timing right now. What are they most concerned about? You know, I, I think they're most concerned and they're doing a good job. And, uh, you know, our, the hospitality industry has really come together uh, under some great leadership, U.S. travel with Roger Dow, the president. And he was one of the folks saying right away, like, while this is going on and we're working on everything, we got to start developing like a plan of what this will look like when we start coming back. You know, we have to tell people what we're doing. You know, you start to see it with the airlines. What's it going to look like when we get on a plane? Are we sitting next to each other? Is the center seat gone? You know, we'll each get a, you know, a kit to keep ourselves clean. You know, so you're starting to see them thinking that through. The hotels are really struggling. I think they, they understand the hotel room side, you know, how they can clean it, the chemicals and everything they'll be able to do to keep us safe. 
you know, they're working through now is how are we going to work our way through public spaces when we get into meeting rooms, you know, where we used to sit at round tables of 10 people. Is it five people? Is it, is it less? Uh, you know, obviously there's hand sanitizers around. How are they keeping the elevators uh, clean? Anything we would touch? I mean, how can they serve food? You know, we probably can't go through buffet lines anymore. We'll go through a line and get an individual packaged meal, uh, perhaps. So, you know, there's a lot that they're trying to think through. I think there'll be some guidance that comes from, you know, the, the governors and the, and the, the federal uh, folks saying, you know, here's what you can do. But the hotels and the venues are really going to have to all of us make us feel comfortable that meeting there is going to be safe. And in fairness to them, it's still an evolving plan and they're trying their best. Um, but, you know, we're, it, our, pro, our industry, you know, it was slowly going down, you know, as you were starting to see it, you couldn't have meetings for 2000, then you couldn't have 1,500. They believe that's the same way we're going to go back up. You'll be able to start having meetings for 10 and then 50 and then 500. So again, we don't know timing, but that's kind of a, probably a tiered structure of how we'll come back to meetings. Yeah, you know, I'm I I uh, I went from flying uh, 100,000 miles last year, uh, 119 nights in uh, in hotels to you know this year 5,000 miles all in January, you know, uh, like six nights all in January, and that's pretty much been uh, a couple in February, but that's pretty much been it, you know. And I'm thinking through just the for, for, let's put the convention uh, and meeting space on hold for a minute. Just the average travel person, you know, you think of from the point where you get out of the taxi or get out of the car service to walk in the hotel, going through the door, right? Somebody helping you with your bags. Some that's that's a point of contact. Sure. Getting to the front desk. That's a point. That's you're not six feet there, and somebody's handing you a key. You know, the width of a desk is 18 inches. And you're you're maybe a foot behind that, and the person on the other side is maybe a foot behind that. So you're talking about four five, four feet maybe, right? They hand you the key. Um, you get in an elevator. There's other people in the elevator. People are touching buttons and stuff. You get off the elevator. You go to your room. I I mean I'm not a, a huge neat and clean freak, but I do I, I do the I, I do wipes or hand sanitizer on doorknobs and the remote in a hotel because I worked in a hotel. So sure. I know that doorknobs and, and particularly the remote is the that's that's the that's where you, if you're going to get sick, it's going to be from a hotel remote or from the person next to you on the plane. You know, so I mean, and that that is that's just bare minimum. Then you get into conventions and you start thinking about registration areas, registration tables, cocktail areas. You said food service, drink service, beverage service, um, you know, pens, paper on tables, water pitchers, water glasses, candy dishes. I mean, and that's before you get into handouts and tchotchkes and oh, my goodness. So, you know, it's just it's hard for me to envision thinking all of that through. I think there's got to be there's got to be an element where there's got to be some element where. And also, I know from catering service days that three feet per person is the optimal way to, you know, way to set a room so that you can maximize uh, people's personal space and the occupancy. So now you're talking about conceivably doubling that. So halving the sellable square footage in the in that convention space um can hotels can convention centers even do that profitably anymore and if they can does the price have to be so high that people will just say i don't know if i can afford to do this i mean all of those things i think you're just going to have to get to a point where people are going to accept a certain level of risk i don't know what that is but i think that's what's going to have to happen well i, I think you, you you've laid out a lot of the questions that are out there right now i mean I'm an eternal optimist. I, I believe that, you know, a lot of the things that you just went through, there are solutions and the hotels and all of these folks are already working on them and we'll figure them out. And, and that will be the good that came of it. You know, whether it's you're mentioning the remote in the room or whatever, I, I believe the hotels are going to be able to figure out and address that. Yeah. To some degree, if we get back to close to where we were or some kind of new normal, 
again, normally our bodies are very good and can fight off a lot of things. Obviously not the one we're going through with the coronavirus, but uh, you know, the, I think that's where getting onto another subject, it'll be the testing and all that is going to be one of these key things to the reopening where people actually believe that, Hey, you know, everyone there is fine. You know, they've already had it. They don't have it or whatever. I, I do believe that the hotels, the convention centers, the meeting space, we will be able to come up with solutions uh, that'll make it safe and comfortable for people to meet again. Will it be a little bit different? Sure. But um, maybe it was time for a change. We've been doing meetings the same way forever, right? So, but I think the other thing, Dave, that's going on is, you know, we're all in our homes. And as you said, you're used to travel all the time. I was. I think people are hungry for that face-to-face, you know, nothing against these uh, virtual ways of talking and everything. And it's a great way to stay in touch. But you know what? Most of the good things, if not every good thing that's happened in our history has happened with a face-to-face meeting where people got together, worked things out. And I think we'll get back to that. It's just going to take, it's going to take time and it's going to take some changes in having those precautions in place. But I believe the hotels, the airlines, the convention centers, I think they're up for the challenge. And I, I think they're going to work on some great solutions for us. Um, but it, you know, before we can get there, it's going to depend on the governors and the, and the, you know, the federal government and what they're going to allow us to do. I, you know, as you and I've talked about before, David, people are, hungry to get people back to work and get them back to but again we got to do it smart so that we don't relapse right into something and you know here we sit again so i think uh i think face to face if it's not uh, face to face is the standard for for these meetings and conventions and i think you know once there's a vaccine it will be again i think face to face though in the interim is going to be a huge competitive advantage so if you can figure out how to get in person with someone in a way that you can assure them is safe, I think you can do a lot of really good stuff. So I don't think like, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do, meetings and training, I think that is where you're going to see, you know, video take over. However, I think in person for making deals, for delivering critical information, for negotiating and looking somebody in the eye, I don't think there's ever going to be a substitute for that. So I think in the short term, what you're going to see is the risk will be prioritized based on the value to the person, you know, both people, both parties involved. So if I'm if I'm making a hundred million dollar deal with you, I say to you, hey, listen, Doug, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to come into town on Monday. We're going to meet on Tuesday, Monday afternoon. I'm going to go get a test. Um, Why don't you get tested on Monday and we'll exchange results Monday night. If we're both cool with it, then we meet on Tuesday. That's, you know, honestly, that's probably what's going to end up happening with big negotiations and stuff like that, because you're never going to be able to do that without having that face to face, even if it's just to consummate the deal, you're going to want to get together and look the person in the eye. I just, I firmly believe that. Well, I mean, look at what we're talking about right now. We're, we're sitting here as we're having this conversation and, and they're trying to get Congress back together to approve these things. I mean, yeah, I guess technically you could get them all to gather, you know, electronically, virtually, but that's not how deals of, of trillions of dollars and billions of dollars happen, you know, and, and you got to remember these associations that meet, they have a great cause. They're not just not meeting to meet, you know, they're, they're working on cancer. They're working on, uh, you know, all kinds of diseases and different things. I mean, that's why these organizations get together. So there is a real need for them to get together. And, and again, that's why I believe, you know, just like all these, these crazy times we go through, you know, great new companies and great new ideas come out of that. I think you're going to see some real innovation in the meetings industry. And it, and it could be, you know, a hybrid of virtual meetings and, and face-to-face where you can be spread out. And I think there'll be great things that come out of this, but I do believe, myself included, we're looking forward to being face-to-face again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, so take us through uh, what you're hearing in the, uh, in the industry. Take us through on the, uh, on the corporate side. What are folks saying about, like there are some industries where, so I, I interviewed a guy named Chris Ciccinelli and he runs a company that is, um, it's like the, the Tupperware of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the adult intimacy apparel industry, okay? And he has worldwide over 100 people that basically sell to other people in their living rooms, 
right? So his whole training program, all his training is in person. His annual meeting where they recognize and reward people, which is a big, big deal. It's like, you know, the Mary Kay, you know, pink Cadillac meeting for his industry. It's a huge deal. So for him, he's he can do the training like this, but he need they need to get together on an annual basis and they can put off the annual meeting. They can skip it for a year and do it, you know, every other year. But at some point, they got to figure out how to get together. What are you hearing from folks like that, from people who are associations, from people who are companies and they're planning their conventions and that sort of thing? Well, on the corporate side, I think it was a little easier, uh, as you know, from your background. I mean, corporations can quickly shut down stuff. You know, no one can travel all of that. Um, some of that I think you're touching on a little bit is, uh, you know, there's some liability and risk that goes on. You know, if you asked your associates to go to this meeting and someone got sick there or you're forcing them to fly, you know, um, so there's some challenges there that I think all corporations are looking into. So right now they pretty much said stand down, you know, um, and now they're starting to evaluate, well, if we're going to have a management meeting, can we do it? If it's a sales retreat, can we do it? So they're looking into that, you know, from the association side, you know, we're, we're choosing to go there, right? So there still may be some liability and that's what they're working with their legal teams to figure out if they're holding their annual meeting and something happens there, are they liable? Do people have to sign, you know, waivers or whatever, or as long as they have all the checkpoints and all the things we're talking about in a medical area, you can go to if anything, uh, is wrong. So, you know, all those kind of things are being worked through. You know, on the association side, Dave, as you know, that's where a huge part of their profit comes from is holding their annual meetings. It can be anywhere from 40% to 60% of their annual budget, you know, is by holding their annual meeting. So can they, you know, they obviously get some from membership and all that. Can they move some virtually and, and charge? Sure, but I don't know that it's going to make up that volume. So you know, that's why I think there's this urgency to figure out safe and, and, uh, and uh, proper ways to hold events. But, you know, we're, right now it's all this behind the scenes stuff going on, figuring out, you know, what's a meeting look like in the future? What's the risk and liability? Because we all have to feel comfortable, you know, to be able to do it, both the, the hosts and the attendees. Right, right. What, what do we're you... seeing on the hotel side, you didn't really ask, Dave, but is, uh, man, it's, it, it's, very sad. I mean, you and I went through 9-11. Obviously, that was New York. There was a lot shut down in New York, air travel all over. But you know, this is, you know, there's some statistics I saw this morning. It's 25, 35% of the hotels around the world are actually closed. I mean, literally lock the doors and, you know, we'll be back at the end of April, the end of May, whatever their local district is saying. You know, you got some organizations that have furloughed or laid off 75, 85% of their, their staff. Um, you know, it's, it's unbelievable, and I know the word unprecedented gets used way too much, but it is. And so that's the other area of planning. Like when, let's say it's June 1st, we can get back. Can we get all those people back? Can we get them reacclimated, retrained, ready to go for the new normal? So there, you know, there is a lot of effort that has to take place with these hotels and, and venues. And again, I know behind the scenes, they're working hard to figure this out. Because as soon as it's safe, they want to be out there and, and ready to go for our customers. Um, and I think, you know, some of the first ones you're, you're seeing is a smaller business. I mean, obviously, some hotels are open and they're, they're uh, doing great things for the first responders and, and keeping those folks, giving them a place to stay so they don't have to go back around their families and potentially, uh, uh, you know, have a negative impact on them. So, I, you know, again, hotels will always figure it out and work through it. This is just an interesting time. And, you know, you got some destinations like a Las Vegas that are completely shut down. I mean, I've never seen where you have hotels of that size just closed. And that's one state that really wants to try and get it back as soon as possible because gaming and, and entertainment is what that state is all about. So, you know, you got different people in different states and frame of minds trying to figure this out. And I think we're going to be able to learn from the different areas we're learning right now from international. How are they bringing meetings back and how are they opening up in, in the different countries? You know, I think we're seeing Germany and, you know, Sweden and all these guys. How are they doing? It? What are they doing in China that we can learn from? So there's a lot of learning and um, ob observation going on right now. Is there is there gaming in Macau right now? Has Macau is Macau open? No, it opened up and then um, 
it closed again because they were, I forget the term they called it, you know, it was all their folks coming home and they were having a second wave because those folks were bringing it back when they came, but they're starting to slowly get that going up there. So again, what do you, you, know, what do you hear? What do you hear about, about, so about Vegas, about the gaming industry, there's, there's incredible political tension in, in Vegas right now. The, the mayor is all over any form of media she can get on screaming and yelling about how this is total insanity. And the scientists are saying, look, you, you know, cases are still increasing as we're as we're having this conversation right now. Cases are still April 21st. Cases are still increasing. So what is the so let's say we get to a point where cases are decreasing. What are what are the what's the thought process? Have you heard anything? You're on the inside. Have you heard anything about how they plan on how, do, how they plan on doing gaming or you know, getting people into and out of casinos where, you know, wearing a mask into a casino where they use facial recognition software to determine who's going to rob them. That's not a, that's not optimal. So what, what's the thought process? Yeah, again, I mean, we're, we're just starting to hear and learn about it. I, I think you have the politicians, um, you know, whether you agree or disagree, there's some out there trying to get their states, their cities, you know, some kind of normal and i think i think they're also trying to give people hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we are going to get back to it um, i think what we're not hearing about as much in the news and from these folks is you know they're not just yelling and screaming about it there are plans behind the scenes that they're going to be rolling out to say hey here's how we think we can safely gamble here's how we think we can safely go to shows again um, you know here's how we can bring sports back all of that so um, being candid, David, I'm I'm not seeing all the the details behind Las Vegas right now. I know they're working hard to do it um, because it's important to the economy of the, of the city of Las Vegas, the state of Nevada, and obviously our industry. Um, and I, I think I think there's ways to do it. I I agree with what you're saying. That the the new twists that are coming out is you know, it's not that we're afraid of wearing, wearing masks, that just changes everything. Like you said, the spatial recognition and all the gaming does to protect us suddenly goes away. And how do you overcome that? It's, there's a lot of things to think through. Um, I know Las Vegas for one is, is thinking hard about it. And many of the, the, the gaming facilities in Las Vegas have gaming facilities outside uh, internationally. So again, they're able to learn from what are they able to do there? What's working? What's not? And bring that to Las Vegas, hopefully soon. Um, who have you seen that has, that is, uh, you know, in the industry that's that's doing a good job, that's communicating well? Um, where can people where can people go to look at people who are in, interested in, you know, if they're regular business travelers? I mean, we have we have a lot of people who listen and watch who are salespeople who are on the road a lot. Where can people go? Who's doing a good job communicating with their customers? Airlines, hotels, venues. Who's communicating well with their customers, telling them what's going on right now? Well, again, I think you know, first and foremost, and I know you touched on it a few minutes ago. I mean, we we still have to go with with the scientists and their recommendations. So we're still going to the CDC and and the World Health Organization to kind of get a feel for what's going on. There's some great sites out there, like Johns Hopkins is now. You know, taking that world map they have and they broke it down to the U.S. and you can literally go by county. Um, you know, the challenge is, you know, you might be in a state or a county that's not having a lot of uh, issues right now. But does that mean you can hold a meeting and bring people in from New York and Miami? That's who knows. Does that does that mayor? Does that governor? Does do they want that? So I mean, we we still have a lot of questions to to get answered. I think from the scientific uh, perspective, those two sites uh, you would go to. I think U.S. travel is doing a great job um, of putting all the tools and resources in one place and really helping us, you know, where we're going to, they're putting out the facts on uh, airlines and hotels and all that. I think if you're a loyalty member, and I know, Dave, you are with the amount of travel you do, I think all the, the hotel chains and airlines are doing a good job of communicating with us. And so if you're not a loyalty member, you can go to their websites and, and all of them have, you know, COVID-19 uh, uh, places that you can go and look for updates but i think everyone is doing a great job of communicating I, I just think we have to have patience with them because nobody has all the answers right now you know right. 
you can't go to XYZ hotel chain site and they're going to say, okay, here's our seven step plan and here's the dates we're doing it. It's just not possible. I mean, we'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. We're just not there yet. But I think you're seeing from the federal government, from the state level, you're seeing people want to get us back to normal and pushing for that. And I think they're giving us hope, but I think we also have to remember there needs to be a plan with that hope. You know, we can't just all run out and meet together and all start getting sick. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I uh, you know, to, to talk, let's talk about, let's talk about some of the really good stuff, some of the cool stuff so far. So the loyalty programs, let me tell you something. These guys are doing some great stuff. So your your status, most loyalty programs now, your status has been extended through to some of them through to 2022, which is fantastic. Um, you know, cancellation fees on the airlines. I think I saw something and you probably know better than me. Uh, like American has suspended all cancellation fees through the remainder of the year. Which for me, like I used to have to, be, I, I'm an AirPass member. I used to have to give them my travel money in advance in order to get that privilege. So, you know, that's fantastic. Um, what are some of the other things that you're seeing that they're doing with the with the loyalty programs now to really and the and I, I agree with you the 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 two that I being in Miami American is my airline because it's a it's a huge hub here and being a, a Marriott guy I travel and stay almost exclusively at Marriotts they've done both of those organizations have done a fantastic job is there anything you're seeing that people are doing that that you're really that, that you really admire uh, for the, how they're handling it right now. Well, I, I think what you just said, uh, you're, you're naming a couple. I think there's many great examples out there. It's all about communicating. It's all about, uh, I, I think, you know, it's the ones that are showing empathy and that we want to work with you that will uh, come out of this with even more loyalty. I think the, there are examples out there where people are sticking to the rules and, oh, no, this is what you're going to have to do or, or take it or leave it. You know, that to me is very insensitive. And I think those people are going to be in trouble when we come out of this because, hey, where were you when we were all, you know, in a downtime? Because I, what I think people have to remember is this, this wasn't caused by anybody. It's nobody's fault. We got to come to the table and work through it together. And I, I don't have any particular one to say, David. I think all of them are doing a good job. You're seeing videos from CEOs and presidents. I think that's what we want to see. We want to see them on the front line saying, hey, I know what you're going through and I love the ones that will get up there first and talk about their employees and associates and what they're doing for them and how they're keeping them together. Cause you know, like I said, when we get ready to fly, I mean, we need the flight attendants and the pilots there, right? You can't fly the plane and I can't serve in the back. So, you know, we need those folks. So what are they doing to keep those folks loyal and, and with them so that when we're ready again and, and, you know, showing empathy to, to their employees and then showing empathy to their customers. And on the group side, we're starting to see, um, some hotel chains that are really coming out and saying, look, we know you're going to come back and meet with us, hopefully this summer, hopefully this fall. You know, we understand a lot of these contractual clauses where we hold you to a certain number of rooms or cancellation. They're all coming out and saying, hey, we know we're going to work with you. We want you to come back. We want our employees to get back to work. Maybe you were going to come with 500. Now you're going to come with 250. We'll welcome the 250 with open arms. You know, no questions asked, no penalties. So I think People are waking up to say, look, you know, I, I think early on we thought, oh, we're going to get through this, you know, uh, whatever it was, April 30, or maybe it was an earlier date. You know, when that date's done and we're our stay at home, we're going to start going to hotels and everything's going to be great. And now people are realizing, no, nah, not so much. It's going to take a, a pretty good ramp up. So I, I, I honestly haven't seen any examples of anyone doing poorly at it, Dave. I would probably go that way. I, I think right now people are communicating and, and trying their best. and. The companies that you see, like commercials, I think it's it's Walmart and some of these other ones where their their associates are singing and all. That's what you want to see, right? Let's start with them. Let's keep them happy, and then that will make the customers happy. And that's kind of how you and I grew up in this industry. Of right. uh, when you were in hospitality, you know, you take care of your guests, and you know, it all works out really well. And, all right. Uh, so give me. Let's let's end with the big opportunities here, right? So uh, I do events and a lot of people who are, who are watching, listening to us do events. What it, where, where are we going to get a good deal, Doug? I mean, can we, you know, are we going to, if I book something in December, am I going to get a great deal? I mean, how does it, 
what, what, how does it look right now? Where are people saying, hey, Doug, listen, you want, you got, is there anybody out there going, hey, Doug, listen, you got a convention, bring them to me. You got a high profile meeting, bring them to me. Where, where are people going to get the best deals these days? And when? Yeah, I, 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 instead of answering the where, Dave, I think the opportunity is going to be, you know, unlimited right now. I, I would say to those on this call, and not just because it's the space I operate in, but it's it's the how and the who you want to work with on this. You know, there's a lot of people like myself, companies like ours, Conference Direct, that are keeping our finger on the pulse of it. Like I told you, we're we're still here every day, so we're communicating with those hotel chains, those destinations. They're sharing with us, hey, we've got this incentive of that. I mean, there's just so many right now. We're literally building like websites to you know keep track of everything. So I think you want to go to and use experts when you're ready to get back because they're going to help you get to the right destinations that are prepared for it, that have plans for it, and have good deals. And I think I don't think it's going to be a complete fire sale, and I don't know that it should be. Right? We're all in this together. Like they, you know, we we need to pair pay a fair price, whatever that is in the market when it's time to go back there. It certainly won't be where it was when we left, but you know, it's not going to be free either. I mean, these are for-profit businesses that need to put people back to work. And, uh, but we're seeing some great deals and uh, I think it's going to be more the where will be where it's safe. You know, where are those states and, you know, areas where they were least impacted or they're coming out of it already. And, uh, but I would use somebody like us reach out to those resources because they'll really be able to help you because uh, we all have our finger on uh, the pulse of what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a couple of places that I'm that I'm looking at because I think they're I think they're on the cutting edge and they'll figure it out. I think if you look at a company like Disney. You know, Disney's going to get it. They're going to get it figured out sooner rather than later because everything they do has crowds. So, you know, whether it's their lodging or their convention business or their parks or even their, you know, even their cruises. If anybody's going to figure it out, it's going to be them because everything is, you know, everything is essentially at risk for them. You know, other companies have, you know, they have they have golf, they have other things that can, you know, where they can, um, they, you know, they can kind of lean on. But the, you know, the Disney brands, every Disney brand is contingent upon large groups of people moving through there. And they're really good at figuring that stuff out. So I'm kind of I'm kind of keeping my eye on them. And I'm also I'm also keeping my eye on uh, the you know, the, uh, the golf brands to see what they're doing, because if I were them, I would be super aggressive at trying to recruit groups to come to me because, Hey, listen, I, you get, you guys can have recreation and be safe. And then when it's time for a convention business, we can, you know, we can bring your groups together in, you know, you got to force them. They're all out in, in their own carts. We can bring three foursomes together to eat. It's not going to be a big problem. It's only 12 people, you know, that sort of thing. So I think there's, I think there's going to be huge opportunity, uh, you know, there too. The key is going to be staffing. Resorts could be an opportunity, right? I mean, uh, I know yep. you've been, you, you can literally have meetings outside nowadays. They were getting creative and doing that. I mean, so that would really fit into this. And I agree with golf. I think you just named it. I think th- those key brands, and I know it's a, you have a whole separate subject on branding and the importance of that. But, you know, think about that. The, the Disney's of the world have such a good reputation. We all believe they're going to come back. I, I've got neighbors walking up and getting their coffee from Starbucks right now. Starbucks has already figured out a plan. You know, you, you do your order and they meet you at the door with it. You know, it's, it's safe. So there's smart brands that, you know, people trust. They're going to say, well, I know they're going to figure it out, so I'll go there. And I think those are the brands that are going to survive. And I think the ones that aren't are going to be in trouble. And I think there's going to be some new ones that come out of this that say, hey, we had a great idea. And here's, you know, here's how we're going to get the meetings industry going again. And, you know, maybe you and I have to come up with that idea, Dave. I don't know what it is, but maybe, <laughs> maybe it's out there for us. Well, I know, I know for sure that if we if we do have to come up with it, it's going to have to come from our customers. <laughs> Good question. Uh, you know, that's a great perhaps way to end it today. I mean, I, we are blessed on, on my team and in the organization I work with. But most, you know, it's having great customers, being able to sit down and, and talk with them and, and take them through the process, showing our empathy that we understand we're in the same boat with them. But then actually being able to show them that hey, 
we've got some ability to help you here. We, we, we got expertise. We can take care of this for you. And then showing them how we're going to do it, being their guide and taking them through it. And I think it all starts and ends with customers. That's why we're in this business. And uh, that's why I got into it. I love interacting with customers. You know, I wouldn't want to just be in my office all day talking with you. No offense. But I mean, I want to be out there working with customers. And, and uh, that's what gives you energy. And uh, yeah. we're going to get back to that. I just, you know, I am an optimist, as I said earlier, but this is going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. And we got to be patient. All right. So where where can people get a hold of you if they want to take advantage of your expertise, either to, you know, plan meetings, book meetings, ask questions about where to go and, you know, figure out who's on the cutting edge? How can people get a hold of you? We're going to, you know, give it give it to us now and I'll put it all in the show notes for people so that they can so that they can get the information. Sure. I'm happy to help anyone. I mean, we're doing a lot of uh, advising people, just helping them kind of walk through what, what they could do um, and or people that uh, are thinking about a, a career change or want to do something different and jumping into this side of the business. So um, my email address is Doug.Barman. It's B-A-A-R-M-A-N at conferencedirect.com. And uh, my office number is area code 301-605-7011. Um, but as I said, I'd be happy to talk with you about anything. I talk to a lot of people who are just thinking about a career change and kind of guiding them through the, the mental uh, steps you have to go through and, and the process that I, I take people through if they uh, potentially want to join us. And we do the same with the customer. Here's kind of our, our plan that we will take you through to help you in this, this difficult time and how to navigate the water. So I'll be happy to help anyone. And uh, Dave, I appreciate you know, uh, having me here today. This has been great. All right, Doug, thanks for joining us. And those of you who are interested, you can find Doug's contact information in the show notes on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Also down below the video on YouTube and on my website. Uh, if for any reason you have a, a hospitality question and you're not sure that Doug is going to answer it, he will answer it for you. But if you want, I will be happy to make a personal connection for you. I've known Doug a long time and uh, absolutely 100% trust him with anything related to travel. He's not going to, um, he's not going to steer you wrong because he needs to maintain relationships with people who are in the convention business, as well as people who are on the hotel side. So it's in his interest to make sure that everyone makes out. And let me tell you something. If you are planning events you know you're going to be able to do an event in 2022. You should call Doug today to book it because people are going to want to work to make that event as as uh, fantastic as they can. And this is the time right now in 2020 to be booking for 2022 because you'll get a great deal because they're uncertain about what the future is going to hold. And I can almost guarantee it'll be safe to get together in 2022 because, uh, you know, I'm all, all of my scientific expertise is telling you right now that by 2022, we'll have this figured out. <laughs> Doug, thanks so much, folks. We'll see you right back here again tomorrow for another edition of the Do This Sell More show. Until then, stay healthy, stay well, and stay strong.